0: This is Defenders TV Podcast Episode 48, looking at Agent Carter, Season 2, Episode 5, The Atomic Job. Welcome back, Defenders, to this episode of Defenders TV Podcast, episode 48, where we are looking at the atomic job, Agent Carter's episode five. I'm one of your hosts, John. And I'm your other host, Derek. Well, hi there, and we are still missing uh, Chris. He is still in sunny Barcelona, um, where he is enjoying all things mobile devices, I believe.
1: Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Uh, Yeah, we are missing Chris now, actually, I must admit. Two episodes without that for Agent Carter. Um, But he will be hopefully returning for for our Deadpool podcast, which has been put off a little bit, um, purely because... We have to have... Chris, he is all things Deadpool. Absolutely.
0: Big Absolutely. fan, big yeah. fan.
1: And right now, which is the most interesting part, we haven't actually talked to Chris about Deadpool. We're recording on Sunday the 28th of February. Uh, we've all seen it, I know that. We saw it the opening weekend two weeks ago. Uh, and we have no idea of Chris's thoughts about Deadpool. I'm really intrigued because he's the fan. I'm wondering if it lived up to his expectations. Absolutely.
0: I haven't seen a thing on Twitter or Facebook from him mm-hmm. about this. Haven't been able to speak to him about it, or he's certainly not let anything slip when we have spoken to him so it is a mystery to us and it is to be revealed in our deadpool podcast which yeah. should be coming out sometime soon uh this week so um yeah this will be interesting to see his thoughts Definitely. uh my thoughts on it well they're a mystery till yes, then exactly. as well you'll be waiting for mine too <laughs> but remember, um, speaking of social media, you can always uh, comment uh, with us and to us on all things Agent Carter, all things Marvel, Netflix, and all things MCU films or non MCU films as well, like Deadpool. Uh, just uh, feedback at defenderstvpodcast.com. You can join our Facebook group, just search Defenders TV Podcast, like our page on Facebook as well. Again, Defenders TV Podcast. And you can follow us on Twitter or tweet at us as we tweet live during the episodes of Agent Carter every Thursday at 9pm on Fox UK. Just go to at DefendersCast. That's it. Uh, And you can provide... All things and
1: discuss all
0: things, Agent Carter or Marvel.
1: Yeah, definitely one of the big benefits of watching Agent Carter is that we're watching it live on TV, uh, so we're able to live tweet it, which is something we can't do with uh, with Netflix. So I'm really enjoying that actually, having that experience every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Uh, every week on Fox TV UK. So really good fun.
0: Yeah, really good fun. You really interact with the fans of the show. Um, mm-hmm. With the makers of the show as yeah. well, it's really, really good fun, and um, it's something that we also experience on our Gotham podcast. You can, if you're interested in all things DC and Batman, and in particular the um, the TV series Gotham, you can just search Gotham TV podcast uh, and listen to our thoughts on, on Gotham. But the interaction on that
1: side of things as well. Is uh, really good fun. Yeah, really definitely. good fun, definitely. And uh, one bit of warning for our listeners: uh, because it's just myself and John doing this episode, it does feel a little bit more like Gotham TV podcast, which is just the two of us. So if we do say anything like feedback at Gotham TV podcast, please forgive us. Uh, we do mean <laughs> we do mean feedback at Defenders TV podcast. Uh, before we kick into the show, there's two little bits of news uh, for this week, John. A uh, big bit of news actually, uh, which I really enjoyed hearing, uh, which came out this week. We now have our Iron Fist. I enjoyed this news too as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, for me,
0: this is, okay, Iron Fist uh, is now cast, check. It is Loras Tyrrell, the Knight of the Flowers from Game of Thrones, played by the actor Finn Jones. Mm -hmm. Uh, So he is our new Iron Fist. Um, So it will be interesting to see whether those curly medieval locks will remain or whether he will get a good
1: shave and a good old bleach blonde uh, <laughs> look. Yeah, he's definitely blonde. Um, so I'm hoping that he, that he will get those, uh, those curls cut back. It's something that just is a stark contrast with my image in my head of, uh, of Iron Fist. But I do like the actor. I did enjoy him in, G- in Game of Thrones. Uh, one of the things that did jump out to me uh, was the photograph that was taken of uh, the three uh, cast defenders at New York Comic Con last year when we were there, which was, Obviously, Mike Coulter as Luke Cage, Kristen Ritter as uh, as Jessica Jones, obviously, and Charlie Cox as as Daredevil. All three of them had a bit of a selfie and there was a gag going around that, uh, that Iron Fist was the one taking the photograph, effectively. Um What's really interesting is that about that is of the members of the Game of Thrones cast that were at New York Comic Con, Finn Jones was there. He was doing panels, he was doing uh, interviews, he was doing sit- signings. So it's very possible that he also met with the team behind the Netflix Marvel shows and got cast uh, while there at New York Comic Con, um, which I thought was really interesting that all four members of The Defenders were actually behind the scenes uh, there New at New York Comic Con. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I'm wondering if there's going to be a photograph released of the four of them there.
0: Absolutely. And I mean, like, with Iron Fist now cast, Doctor Strange uh, in production, all of this for me is just fantastic. Two of my favorite Marvel um, heroes. Mm-hmm. They're going to be on TV, on film, and hopefully um, they will be together in the Defenders uh, miniseries on Netflix as well. Absolutely. Sanctum Santorum is obviously the base of the Defenders in the comics. Whether that will be the case in the show... Who knows? I hope so, certainly. And I think in terms of casting, just briefly, mm-hmm. one of my thoughts is that I'd never thought of Finn Jones uh, to be cast as I'm Fist, um, but As soon as it was said, I kind of thought, okay, yeah, I can go with that. I can see that. Um, In particular, this idea that he's the lighter relief to Mike Coulter's uh, Luke Cage. Certainly, I can see that relationship um, occurring there. You know, Loris is a bit of a uh, naughty devil, shall we say. Certainly is. Um, Who knows what we might see in... in Danny Rand's uh, apartment, uh, given what we've seen in Loris Tyrrell's <laughs> apartment. I'm surely, Misty Knight, um, it'll be very different, obviously. But <laughs> I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does. Um, yeah. And I can't wait to see him uh, bring Danny Rand, the Iron Fist, uh, to life. And I... I'm hopeful with the casting and I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does. So I'm actually thumbs up for uh, Finn Jones yep. being cast here.
1: Yeah, definitely. Really, really excited uh, to see what happens. It's going to be a quite a different tone in that show uh, in Iron Fist than what we've seen so far in Daredevil and Jessica Jones. And apparently Luke Cage is also going to be a very different uh, type of show uh, from the others. We are a couple of weeks away from Daredevil uh, coming back, which does... Sink in quite well with the other news story, um, which is that the press have received some press screener copies of uh of Daredevil. So, uh, the word is good. Uh, the non-spoiler uh, filled reviews are coming in, and sounding like they're keeping a lot from the first season and saying that fans of the first season of the show are going to really enjoy the second season of Daredevil. Woohoo!
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Can't wait uh, for that to be released there uh, on the 18th of March, 8 a.m. in uh, Ireland and the UK. So um, can't wait for this, and uh, really looking forward to seeing this season two of Daredevil with the Punisher there. Obviously, we have the Hand, we have Electra, and mm-hmm. um, you know the the two trailers that have been dropped so far look pretty pretty good. Absolutely. One batch, two batch. Um, and they'll all fall down looking at uh, the Punisher and his trigger, Happy Finger.
1: Mm-hmm. I have to say I'm really enjoying Elodie Young uh, in her part of the lecture. I really like the kind of interplay between her and Matt. You can tell there's a good bit of history there. We're looking forward to, to delving into that. And one of the most interesting things that we found out about Elodie Young when we saw her at New York Comic Con is that she is a trained black belt in about three or four martial arts. So she's definitely going to get to use that in the show. Really looking forward to seeing it. Only a couple of weeks away,
0: (sighs) absolutely. Can't wait. But remember for Daredevil season two, as well as for agent Carter season two, and for all things, Marvel Netflix, um, you can listen to us, subscribe to us and review uh, our podcasts. Just go to defenderstvpodcast.com forward slash iTunes, or you can find us in any other good podcast catcher just search defenders tv podcast and hopefully we should pop up there and our dulcet um west atlantic tones will be <laughs> here uh with you for all things marvel netflix and defenders absolutely but
1: and good job not saying gotham tv podcast in there <laughs> exactly <laughs> well done.
0: i think with that um derek have you got a few little notes on the director writer
1: of this episode of agent carter episode five yes i do uh, this episode was written by Lindsay allen one of our favorite writers for uh for season one of agent carter and she returns with uh, her second episode of season two uh the, the first one that she uh, did was episode two which she co-wrote and this is her first full episode of season two uh, Spoilers. I really like this episode, but we'll talk about it as we go along. Um, this is directed by Craig Zisk. He uh, comes from a bit of a background in comedy. Uh, he comes from Weeds. He comes from park, Parks and Rec. He's directed cool. hundreds of TV shows, but a lot of them being comedy sided. And I think you can tell that throughout this episode. This is this is definitely one of the funnier episodes of the show. A lot of good interplay between the cast. Uh, good little good little back and forth between them. But yeah, really enjoyable. Um, John, do you want to give us your synopsis of this episode? Sure.
0: After Jason Wilkes absorbs a small amount of zero matter from a sample of Jane Scott's body, Agent Carter races to find the body of the Lady in the Lake. Wilkes hopes to draw upon the zero matter that resides within the Lady of the Lake in the hope that the zero matter within it will restore him permanently to his physical self. But Peggy and Jarvis arrive to see Frost taking the zero matter for herself as she sets out to recreate the nuclear test in which the substance was formed. But for this, she requires a bomb. An atomic bomb. However, a Magnificent Five, Peggy, Jarvis, Souza, Receptionist Rose, and shy scientist Dr. Sambali set off from the SSR to... to to the secret Rockland facility where the atomic weapons are held. They plan to disarm the bombs and prevent them falling into the hands of Whitney Frost and Kelvin Chadwick. To get the mission done, Jarvis's souffle skills are put to the ultimate test, and Peggy is dangerously wounded as she confronts a powerful Whitney Frost. In the aftermath... At the Roxham facility, Agent Carter is stitched up by Sousa's new fiancée, Violet, but as she recovers, all the wounds for Sousa and Wilkes look set to open up.
1: Very good, very good. So we tend to get new listeners each time we release an episode, so if this is your first time listening to our reviews of Agent Carter, and our general reviews, uh, the way we cover our episodes is each of us take five points about the episode, uh, hopefully covering off everything we want uh, across the full episode, and then we talk about some notes towards the end, some things that we may have picked up that don't aren't really big enough as points, and then we decide whether we defend it or not. So welcome on board if this is your first time. Uh, John, do you want to kick us off with your first point? I do. It's the Magnificent Five moments of
0: this. It is the slow walk. It is Kill Bill to great music. It is the Reservoir Dogs moment Mm -hmm. of of this episode where we have Sousa, Jarvis, uh, Peggy, Rose, and Sambly all walking out um, in slow-mo. I love this. I love the whole... Bringing together the team, you know, we expect to see at least Peggy and Jarvis in the field together. We had from the last episode the whole flashback where Peggy was being asked to go into the field for the first time. um, And and everything surrounding that, the death of her brother, um, saying no to her fiancé. And here we have two new um, people to the field. You know, the receptionist, Rose. Who quite frankly can handle herself in any Absolutely. situation and Dr. Samberley, who, you know, I, I love the kind of the notion that we're not just the, the lab guys. We, we want to have some active role. We want to make a difference. We want to have our contribution uh, noticed. I love the fact that that's been played out through the episode so far Mm -hmm. Uh, and to have them walking out really good. And after that, I have to say, where they turn up at the Roxham facility uh, and you have Jarvis, you know, the the three you would expect out in the field, Mm -hmm. uh, Jarvis, Sousa and Peggy in the back of the van. uh, And you have Rose and Sambley out sort of distracting the Roxham guards, the security um, and just the you know, the, the plan solid comes from Agent Carter. As you see Jarvis and Susan are really doubting uh, having these two in the field. And then it's like, they will be fine. And, and we just see this lovely interaction of, of Rose and Sambly where they pretend to be husband and wife, oh, that's that they're lost. Um, and then some great little device being chucked out uh, by by Sambly to electrocute um, the, the three rocks on guards. Really, really good. Oh, that was At- kick-ass. It, it was look- brilliant. Loved that them, as loved the
1: electricity it. drains from the uh, from the electric fence, that it feeds into the three guards and knocks them out. I'm sure that wasn't part of the design. I like the fact that some of the gadgets that Samberley has designed, he specifically says they've never been tested, never been used in the field. So he's using these for the first time. But what a great uh, what a great moment as the three guards fall to the floor, electrocuted. You know, we have
0: Rose as part of the team. Loved it. Really mm-hmm. liked that. And I loved how. Uh, the conversation between susa and peggy as he's like saying is this wise really doubting peggy's um gut instinct here to say that you know she trusts her implicitly she's one of the team she can handle herself we see her beating up the one man band uh, who's come to the the um talent agency uh, and we have the classic da-dum-bing, uh, you know, <laughs> from from this as he's smashed into the the window
1: uh, and he falls down. I love really that. Cool. Yeah, the drum just just does that little uh, end note for the fight. I thought that was really good. Yeah, some great touches in here. And, and obviously, uh, you've kind of taken a lot of the big part of the episode, which is the five of them working together. But uh, some of the little touches I liked along it, because I had a couple of points along it, but some of the little touches I liked... I loved that. As all five of them are walking out, it looks really cool. And then you have Samberly tripping over uh, himself, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then you have the moment when they reach the end of the laneway, effectively directly outside, or to the end of the road. And then Jarvis says, "I'm parked two streets away," and they have to stand there waiting for him to get the car and come back. You <laughs> yeah. know? Nice little comedy touches. And again, I think that's probably uh, Craig's disc. We know Lindsay Allen is uh, the writer for the show, knows the characters really well, and does write for them really well. But I think uh, Craig probably brought a little bit of that sensibility of how you do the timing of that for a, for a show. So. Uh, really Really good job. Um, love these characters love Sambly. I really like the idea we, we saw him in episode 1 I think it was or episode 2 of the series, uh, I think I commented at the time I really wanted to see him back and, it, and his interplay was so good with the characters as being the left out scientist the one that's always left behind to be the cue effectively uh, and now we have him out in the field trying to prove himself but I do also like that he is really valuable to the team. You know, if it wasn't for if it wasn't for him, they wouldn't gotten past that electric fence. They wouldn't have opened all the doors. They wouldn't have known what room to go to for the atomic bomb. Um, yeah, really useful. I mean, yeah. I hope he's back in the field again
0: with Rose. I could see them being a really great addition to the Jarvis
1: and Peggy uh, team. Absolutely. Definitely. And one, really of the, like, good. and one of the nice touches about it is that effectively he's saying uh, in the same kind of similar way to Peggy being left behind in the first season and Souza overlooked consistently because of his injury uh, in season one, uh, Samberly's now saying, yeah, but I'm also left behind because I'm an intelligent man who works in the lab. You know, it's, it's kind of appealing to their better nature, appealing to the uh, idea that in the SSR, we can all work together and do a great job if you just give me the opportunity and give me the chance you know
0: absolutely and he helps out as well earlier in the episodes um with um the whole infiltration into this base to to obtain the key the, the you know the master key that's required i love the fact that you have the whole bribing of of sambali with the apple pie that you know he's like ah come on guys you know I'll help you out. Mm-hmm. But I I love how they they they're trying to persuade him almost bribe him into helping you like going Surely he can just be ordered to 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 help. Yeah. That's his that's his role. But it's a really good um uh, little bit of uh, comedy and interplay between these different
1: uh, factions of the SSR. Yeah, I think I, I think the reason just to maybe clarify, I suppose if, if it was missed in the episode, uh, the reason why they can't order him is because this is an undercover operation behind the SSR because they can't they no longer that's trust true. people that's in the true. SSR, isn't it? Yeah,
0: and also Peggy technically shouldn't be there.
1: Yes, that's right. She's on holes. Yeah, that's
0: very true. Very true.
1: Derek, what's your first point? I'm going to take the other big point in the episode. Daniel, Souza and Violet. um, Um, Yeah, really, really enjoyed the interplay again between these two characters. I love that, you know, it's it's Souza sitting at home uh, waiting for her to return from work. Uh, He's generally the one that that used to work the night shifts in the New York SSR. Uh, He's now trying trying to propose to his girlfriend effectively and she's the one now working late night shifts Another night nurse in the Marvel Universe. Uh, I like that. So uh, Violet's also played by Sarah Bulger, whose birthday it was today, and she's from Dublin, Ireland. She's uh, she's here at the moment, celebrating with her fa- family and friends. Apparently, uh, enjoying her enjoying her birthday out so, on the raz, uh, out in the raz in Ireland. Yeah, uh, but just quite interesting that she had quite a big quite a big scene. This would have been the first time it's seen in Ireland in the UK, um, and she's home in Ireland with her friend and family. I thought that was quite cool. Um, but yes, Susan has now proposed to Violet. Yes, yeah. given her the ring if he eventually found it in the couch. Love that Sousa stumbles over his words in the really cutest of ways. Yeah, um, really Trying good. to say, you know, he had a whole speech prepared, but he didn't want to propose to uh, his girlfriend with his, with his hands in a couch, you know, and then goes, oh, shoot, now I've proposed to you. <laughs> well, nice little touch. But the bigger part of it, obviously, is when Violet finally sees the reason why Sousa's left New York is because he was in love with Peggy Carter. She can see it in his eyes. She can see in the way that he looks at her and the way that he's taking care of her, that he is way deeper in love with Peggy Carter and still is uh, than she ever could possibly be with her. Or that's her reaction anyway. So we'll see how, uh, if Sousa gets out of that in future, but she does ask the question, are you in love with her? And Sousa can't answer.
0: No, absolutely. I mean, I love the awkward proposal that he makes to her. Mm -hmm. That is really cool. And, you know, it, it fits the character really neatly. It's really nice. And the thing is, it pays off hugely then right at the end where there's this moment where Violet really sees Sousa um, tenderly sort of being protective of, of Peggy Carter yeah. after her sort of injury and, and her recovery. Um, that. You know, she sees it and she starts to just piece together sort of the, the different bits of details that Sousa has told her about moving to L.A. And, and it, it's just that contrast between that awkward, joyous moment of him proposing and that kind of almost gut wrenching um, heart ripping moment where she kind of realizes that the the reason why he's here and the reason why he's proposed is now Lying um, injured on, on her sofa, yeah, uh, and that's a really great payoff over the course of this this episode, absolutely. And, and I, I think more so as well because you know Peggy was in
1: real jeopardy here, and, mm-hmm. and really good, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but one of the other things I think I think, and I'm probably going to kick myself when I see the next episode, but I think it puts to rest the idea that she's any kind of villainous for the for the show. Uh, she's genuinely heartbroken by the idea that. Uh, that Souza is um, is possibly still in love with another woman, um, and I think that is the role that she's going to play in the in the show. Cut to next week when when a, she's got a gun trained on somebody. Um, but but what we do learn from her here is that she doesn't know anything about Sousa's work. He doesn't tell her anything about the cases that he's been on. They don't share that kind of information. So it would have been probably a pretty poor undercover job, which I think was one of the suggestions that we had in episode one or two. Probably because we want Sousa and Peggy to uh, to finally get together after all of these years to get uh, working together. You know, um, we may be a little bit. Uh, Jumped the gun on uh, on Sarah Bulger's virus to uh, to suggest that she may be um, the villainous or one of the villainess.
0: Absolutely, the and but I mean I am still waiting for Dottie Underwood to turn up. I'm mm-hmm. like you know the whole New York SSR um, has kind of faded out since uh, Jack Crawford has moved back to to New York, and Dotty was taken by the FBI. So um, I'm hoping that you know in the background the. She's escaping. She's finding her way out of her incarceration, and that will be really good, I think. If we see Dotty Underwood come back, and who knows, she could still Violet could still be um, a sleeper agent. But yeah, I don't. I doubt it too. Yeah. And I I think it was a really sort of great emotional little piece uh, in this episode. Absolutely, absolutely. On
1: that note, John, do you want to give us your next point?
0: Yeah, it's the Jeopardy of, of Peggy Carter. And I think that was excellent. I mean, so often you can have um people going into the fray and you know that it's not gonna necessarily be um a problem. Mm-hmm. Here we had her going straight after um Whitney Frost. And I mean Whitney Frost has become very, very powerful. Oh yeah. Um with her, her with her um zero matter um Powers and strength that she 's drawing from this, um, and to me, um that little face off between the two of them was excellent. I mean we have Whitney grab uh, peggy 's uh, arm and you see you know the changes starting to the 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 black zero matter creeping through Peggy. Mm. Peggy is mindful enough to to be able to kick and headbutt her way out of that problem but ultimately has to put herself and injure herself in order to escape um, a full-on confrontation. Whitney Frost is too powerful for Peggy. Yeah. Um, and that was a real moment of jeopardy, which you are kind of like going, "Oh wow!" And I mean, you sat there watching this episode, and Peggy has just chucked herself from, um, you know, first or second floor. To, to escape from Whitney and has impaled herself there uh, on you know some uh, steel reinforcing rods yeah. in in the concrete and she's been impaled on them on the bars and it, it's just like ooh i you know, know it, i know what's going to happen um like i thought it was potentially going to finish there and like you wouldn't know till the next episode and um, so it was interesting obviously you know she she does recover she is stitched up and fixed up um but this was
1: Brilliant. I loved it. Really yeah. Liked yeah, it. definitely. And I have to say, it's one of the pleasures of watching a show on a TV channel. Uh, one of the pleasures of it is it goes to an outbreak at that exact moment. Uh, for the entire outbreak, you're, you're just waiting for it to get Absolutely. back. I was way too tense going. This is a big injury. This could knock Peggy out. She could be, uh, she could be lying in her bed for the next five episodes. And Jarvis has to take on uh, a lead role in the show now. And he, he's now got to be the leader of the SSR, uh, plans effectively. Um, yeah, but I thought it was really really good and also can I just add because this was one of my points as well obviously um Whitney's uh, Whitney's little uh, kickass uh villainess line as she uh, reaches for Peggy's hand, which is not everyone is cut out for Hollywood. Uh, which I thought was a, yeah. it's a really, <laughs> really good, good. Uh, villainous line. You know, it's exactly the kind of thing you'd see in a comic book. Really cool. I was listening to a really in- interesting interview with Win Everett this week on the uh, Women of Marvel podcast, where they uh, interviewed her just before the show was released. So there's no spoilers in it. Really good. I'll pop a link into the show notes. But one of the most interesting points that she brings up on that is that when she was cast, she was given um, the kind of uh, kind of script that had her as um as Peggy's friend so she thought she was coming on board the show to be a, a confidant and a um a, not a rival at all no villain definitely not a villain on the show she thought she was going to be playing one of Peggy's friends in LA um so i love the fact that she is now the central villainess on the show completely different part Uh, to what she was originally thinking she was going to do. I knew um, that Marvel are very secretive about their information, but never thought that you would cast someone uh, as a villain in the show before they even knew that's what they're going to play. I thought that was really interesting, uh, and you can really see it here. She's really becoming uh, such a great villain for the show. I think we mentioned last week that she's every time she's on screen, she's so wonderful in the show and really, really good to
0: Oh, really? Uh, Yeah, I love um, Wynne Everett uh, as Whitney Frost. Yeah. To me... She she is the Dottie Underwood of, of this season for me, um, and we still have Dotty um, in this hiding season somewhere. hiding somewhere, hopefully to be revealed um, later on in the in the season. Like this is a really good performance again from Win Everett. Mm-hmm. I'm really loving her portrayal of of Whitney Frost.
1: I'm gonna move on to my next point because it's slightly connected to Win Everett, obviously, and her portrayal. Um, Calvin Chadwick, in this episode, I really, really enjoy what's going on with him. Uh, I love the first time you see him. I think he's sitting up in bed because he's <laughs> he's still reeling from the revelation that his wife can kill you with a touch. Uh, I thought that's brilliant. It looks like he hasn't sle- slept in about three days, you know. <laughs> the love life between
0: Calvin and Whitney will never be the same no. again. I I love that. I mean, I laughed my head off yeah. uh, when I saw that. I just... It's just such a great observation from the scriptwriters, and to have that scene—I just thought it was excellent. Yeah, um, yeah, I thought that was awesome really good um, and then
1: he go, He gets up to go and get his clothes uh, to, to get together I love a little touch again of him is where he's picking out which shirt would go well with the suit even though he's trying to run away from his wife <laughs> and he just kind of looks at the two of them together and, and has that little touch really good and another great touch later on in the episode he has a couple of really tough moments with uh, with Whitney Frost where he can't stand up to her um, but a great little touch when he comes back after not being able to get the weapons uh, the instant he walks in through the door he just grabs a whiskey and takes it to Sam Settle his nerves, which I thought was a nice touch to settle his nerves also before he goes and challenges her Um, and seems like he wants to put the foot down like any husband in the 40s would, thinking that he'll be able to change her mind, he'll be able to get her back on track the way she was, the doting wife uh, actress that was sitting at home all the time before she got this power. Uh, Whitney puts an end to that very quickly. Absolutely. And also showing, and I think this is really important for Whitney, it also shows she does have full control of her powers here. She grabs him by the face in anger and stops him without... Um, using the zero matter powers effectively. So I thought that was a nice little touch. And I love Pretty that. Potato.
0: I thought, as, as you say, it shows her in full control of her powers. Uh, it was one of my points as well, uh, Whitney Frost and Calvin dynamic in this this episode. And in particular, Calvin Chadwick really um, has a great episode here. And um, I, I think I had it down as, you know, cracks start to appear in, in their relationship yeah. where he, he really, you know, to begin with, wants to just leave her and get away and then challenges her. And and you see that challenge being absolutely rebuffed uh, in, in the most intimidating way by Whitney Frost, really good. Yet, despite that, you see him phoning up the council, mm. you know, against protocol uh, to, to organize a meeting of the council. Is that to pursue Whitney Frost's agenda, which is, you know, she did say get that meeting with the council so mm-hmm. that we can get these atomic weapons, or is it to explain to them that now she is impregnated with this um this zero matter and she is a threat? I love the fact that in this episode, Calvin Chadwick is completely out of his comfort zone Absolutely. throughout the whole of the episode. Even where he's he's meeting with um is it Joseph Manfredi? Yes. Um where, you know he he sees He's out of control. He's out of his depth. Here is a thug. Here is kind of um, a uh, sort of a mafioso kind of um, uh, kingpin who, you know, is, is... making the deal with Whitney Frost. I love the fact that she says, now it's time to use my contacts yes, to get things sorted. And he, he just seems totally out of his, his depth. You know, the, this civilized way in which the council meet and snuff out a candle is being completely ripped up and, and ripped apart by Whitney Frost, mm. who is like hell-bent on getting access to these atomic bombs, um, recreating the, the experiment to to create the fissure. Now I'm wondering, is this the substance? Like it, it's a, it, and it, in fact it links to one of my other points as well. So okay. I, maybe I might just introduce this here now. I think one of the things I thought that was really interesting in this was this this notion of how the substance is interacting with. Both Wilkes, when he gets um, some of it into his body from uh, Jane Scott's sample, mm. um, and also that with Whitney Frost as well, both are called to Jane Scott's body. That's right. Uh, right. Both know exactly where she's been located at the same time. And, and the, there is this move to, to recreate the nuclear experiment that formed this substance in the first place. Mm. And... Is this the substance, is this the zero matter, in a sense, throwing its host under the bus so that when it is recreated or if it's recreated, um, Whitney Frost would die? Or is this Whitney, you know, we've said how in control she is, but to what extent is she still being controlled ultimately by this zero matter? Mm. Um I thought that was interesting because there was this notion that those that are infused with this this energy were given an insight, uh, an innate knowledge or uh, about what needs to happen. I think Wilkes actually says it's more than knowledge. It, it's just an insight, an yeah. innate insight in what has to be done or, or what needs to happen. And it's this idea that the substance is leading them to try and recreate the conditions That created the fissure, and is that for it to get back home? Exactly, and and it's really, really cool. I mean, I love that. That for me was a massive part of this episode. Was how. Are they in control, mm. or how much and to what extent is the substance still dictating the actions of these two? Yeah, uh, really cool. Like
1: it seems like the steps that the the zero matter is taking, I suppose, is that it seems to want to get back together, wants to gather its full form back together in one in one body, uh, which is now Whitney Frost. She's gotten all the stuff from uh, The Lady in the Lake, which was Jane Scott's body, uh, gotten all the zero matter from that into her body, um, and now trying to, as you say, create the fissure or the uh, the gateway, I think Jason uh, Wilkes calls it at some point in the episode, yeah. the gateway possibly to get back home. So really, really interesting, real change. I wonder how it, how it is going to react with Whitney Frost uh, when she realises that she's not in control of this, um, that as she thinks she is, um, that she's actually not in control of the zero matter. That's going to be interesting uh coming up in the series um one other thing is that what happened to jason wilkes at the end of the episode is that why he's disappeared um completely Has he now been pulled towards whitney frost uh to reunite the rest of the zero matter potentially
0: yeah that was really interesting how he suddenly dephases and, and starts to fade back into nothingness and mm. um, that was really cool and yet yeah, is that because he's got um, the the zero matter inside of him, yeah, and and was Howard because you know he was working with Howard. Howard's gone off, and um, I'd love to know um, Howard's uh, progress in, in in helping them. Yeah, has he as found well. that
1: doctor in Tibet? Wasn't it? that he's Yeah, going off to exactly, find him.
0: exactly. So this will be um, really really cool. And It could be Iron Fist again. Could be. It could be very young,
1: an Iron Fist maybe.
0: Yeah, that's what I mean. An Iron Fist, one of the Iron Fists that is always an Iron Fist. Mm -hmm. Interesting. That would be really cool, actually. I've only just thought about that. It's not going to happen, I know, but that would be a really nice little (laughs) link in to the Marvel Netflix that just highlighting the idea that there has always been, always will be an Iron Fist, and it can be multiple
1: people. That would be very interesting if they decided that. but I'm not not sure. I'm not sure if that's going to happen. Maybe it was the ancient one, you know? Maybe, maybe, look, that, I'm not, I'm not sure, but definitely a doctor from Tibet, I think is uh, a doctor from. America working in Tibet, I think is how they said it. So, uh, you mm, never know, you never know. Stephen. No, Stephen's not that old, John. No, I know he's Anyway, right. I'm going to cut yeah. that and move on to our next point before you get too absorbed by the idea of the connections with Netflix shows uh, and Doctor Strange, obviously. Uh, it is all connected, but not that much. <laughs> um, you did slightly mention the character earlier on, but I do think one of the standout scenes in the episode, it was quite a funny episode, but there was a big standout serious scene. Um, which featured Joseph Manfredi, one of the heads of a crime family, by the looks of it, uh, played by Ken Marino. Um, I thought this was a really creepy scene and really felt like something out of uh, Goodfellas. Yeah, Um, big time. Probably the most famous scene from Goodfellas, I think most people who haven't seen the movie, uh, know the Joe Pesci scene where he asks, are you laughing at him? Uh, And then uh, follows up by, by completely destroying a guy in front of him and then steps back and goes I was only joking uh, kind of thing Um, the bloody fist absolutely yeah but Joseph in here uh, takes it a step further and and asks one of his guys whether he finds Whitney Frost attractive when he says he does he takes it out on him and beats him to to a pulp so um, obviously the intention here is that Whitney Frost and him used to have a thing in the past definitely Uh, Calvin Chatwick won her from him
0: Calvin was nervous himself being in that situation Um, yeah that was cool
1: again he's out of his depth yeah definitely and I have to say, I wouldn't like to be eating in that restaurant. Uh, I don't know whether I could continue my dinner. I think I'd run out screaming from the restaurant if I saw that going on.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you know, again, Calvin says it later on when he confronts Whitney. It says, you know, I'm, I'm indebted to a thug now. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, you know, that, all of this. And I love the fact that there was the deal, you know, that Whitney wants discreet men, and, and in return, um, uh, Joseph Manfredi wants discretion in the media. I mm-hmm. mean, like, the the tentacles, so to speak, of the council and the influence that they have on
1: society
0: through the media. Really interesting. Yeah. Very topical as well. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, really interesting. I loved the scene. I loved uh, Ken Marina's portrayal, and I'm assuming we're going to see that character again uh, come back and possibly... Uh, punish Calvin Chadwick for not uh, delivering on the promise effectively and not bring it back as two guys I presume they didn't uh, they didn't get out of they
0: (laughs) no they got a beating Rose uh, I've seen bigger Uh,
1: really 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 good yeah Um, yeah. John uh, on that do you want to give us your final point
0: yeah, I loved Hugh Jones, head of Roxon, and his Groundhog oh, Day. Yep. Yeah, I mean, this was hilarious oh. uh, with uh, Peggy infiltrating Roxon to get this this uh, key. You know, the fact that the facility is almost impenetrable, and the device from Doctor Samley to. to Erase the last two minutes. Um. I just loved him walking out the door and going, SSR agent, and coming back in. And, you know, there was, um, it was just really good. I love the fact that he goes, you know, did the guys from accounts send you? And she's then again, zzz, yeah. you know, I've always liked a red haired woman, zzz, yeah. and you could just see. That whole scene was just so much fun. Yeah. Um, And and right at the end where he appears from his office with like his belt open, (laughs) his shirt sticking out from his pants as his actual secretary comes in and she goes, did you have a good lunch? And he goes, well, I must have. (laughs) Um, Like. It was just really good. It just reminded me Groundhog Day, and I absolutely loved it. I thought, um, you know, and Peggy is kind of like rolling her eyes. She's like, "You arrogant plonker!" Oh, that's brilliant. That all of this that she, I mean, she's taking absolute pleasure in, in zapping <laughs> sort of the brain of, of Hugh Jones, head of rocks on. And the thing is, when she's been given it, uh, where it's been tested on Jerry, that you know, it's a the memory inhibitor. Yeah. That it, it, it it may. Cause brain damage and then you're like thinking, is she just trying to give him brain damage? Just like <laughs> going, you, you know, you are an arrogant plonker. I loved it. It's oh, so, such good fun.
1: Absolutely. And what I what I really like about it is that it's a nice callback to season one. If Peggy hadn't been as forceful as she was with Hugh Jones when she met him, uh, the head of Roxxon back in back in season one, by saying, what's your name, sweetheart? And her reply was, it's agent. If she wasn't as forceful with him back then, he wouldn't have had, had her in his memory burned into his brain as uh, as she was. So by the fact that, th- that she was so forceful with him, within 10 seconds of seeing her, he knows exactly who she is. Uh, but it's a great touch. If you wanted to know the type of episode you were getting, I think that moment... Um, when they say they tested the memory inhibitor on Jerry. Uh, and he goes, no, you didn't, and walks into a wall. <laughs> yeah. um, then you know exactly what type of episode of Asian Cardi you're going to get. Uh, and it was brilliant, really well-timed, really well put together. And
0: there was the whole, as well, going after this key, I love the Jarvis and Peggy moment. with I, I kind of had it the three killings for a key where it's like, you know, he goes... He's basically saying that it's impenetrable to get into this Roxxon facility. And Peggy's like going, well, no, it's not. You can just drill into the lock. And he goes, but the acid infusion would would, would, um, destroy the lift and, and kill us all. And she goes, well, we can just blow the doors off the hinges. And he goes, but that will set off the explosives in the lift and it will kill us all. And then finally, well... We'll just dig a hole, and he's like, "But this will trip the three thousand volt mechanism and, and kill, kill us all." all. <laughs> like it was. I just loved that interchange between the two. Mm. Um, so good, really so good, good. Jarvis yeah. and Peggy,
1: Peter Patter, really, really good. But Derek, what's your final point? I think we've pretty much talked almost every point in there, except for one, which is Jarvis removing the atomic core from, from the bomb. Uh, some great moments in here uh, when the gang finally get in. I'm going to call them the Scooby gang. It's the new Scooby gang, right? Yeah. Uh, Buffy's not around anymore except in comics, so uh, so they can take the Scooby gang mantle. Um I really liked when they're, when Jarvis, firstly, he gets locked into the room with the atomic bombs, being the nervous Nelly, I think we can call him, uh, as, a, mm-hmm. as a British butler. Uh, being the nervous <laughs> Nelly that he is, he's standing, staring at the door, going, the door is going to open soon, isn't it, Sousa? And Sousa tells him to take a deep breath, and he takes the sharpest intake of breath I've ever seen, which is a nice touch. <laughs> it's like, are you relaxed now that you've had your breath? Um, but yes, he uses his uh, his souffle-making skills to, um, to take the core out of an atomic bomb. I thought that was really good fun, where it's like, it's like taking a souffle out of the oven, I guess, says Sousa. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but at
0: the end, after he's done it, he goes, Allow me to say one thing. That was nothing like
1: taking a souffle out of the oven. <laughs> like, really,
0: really good.
1: Uh, really good. And great to have the fact that, effectively, again, Jarvis is a butler. He's no connection to the SSO. Or he happens to work for Howard Stark and has got himself into a situation where he's effectively saved the world here. Yeah. Um, nobody else did. Uh, Peggy actually didn't take out whitney frost she didn't save anybody um she got the key to get them in uh, samberly got used all his gadgets to get them in uh rose took out a couple of the guards susa stood at a door and gave directions to uh, jarvis but jarvis is the hero of this episode which Absolutely. is really good yeah I, I love when this happens when we're watching episode by episode through a show we mentioned last week we wanted to see more of jarvis and wanted to have more stuff with him um Yes, he was still the comedy sidekick, but he did loads here and and saved the world in the end. Saved the and. world from an atomic explosion. Absolutely. Absolutely, really, really good. And just the final note of that point, I love that as he's tucking uh, Peggy Carter into bed, she says him says to him, "You need a rest as well. You've disarmed an atomic bomb today." And his response is. Two atomic bombs, because he's so proud of himself <laughs> that he's he's achieved that and and, uh, and saved the world, definitely. Uh, that's overall my points on the episode. Are there any notes from the episode for you, John? I do.
0: I have two. First of all, it's definitely... The double break in. I love the fact that both Peggy and Whitney find themselves in the same facility. Yes, uh, twice. Twice <laughs> uh, the cold storage facility, the the county's cold storage facility, where um you know basically Jarvis and Peggy are pipped to the post by Whitney as she sort of takes out that zero matter from um from Jane Scott's body, um, and then the second one is at the Roxon facility mm-hmm. again, where they find themselves in
1: the same facility. Really, really good. Oh uh, yeah, and I love the touch of it essentially as they drag the security guards they knocked out with the electric fence, they drag them in, they get into the lift, they go down in the lift, and then the doors open as another body of a security guard falls into <laughs> yeah, the lift. Exactly. Which is their tip off that Whitney's in the building. Whitney's here, exactly. Fantastic.
0: Loved it. Um, and then the other one is that there was a lot of
1: innuendo in this <laughs> yes, episode. There was. Um from Innuendo etuetos.
0: Exactly. I mean <laughs> from pies to woodies to oh. uh your equipment, um, to I've seen bigger. I mean, this was a really sort of dirty, birdie, innuendo filled um episode, and I like that. Oh, I mean, definitely. this is really, really good innuendo. They are cracking you know? into the British sense of humor, they I really think. are. I mean, it's like just innuendo galore going on. It was. It was interesting. We find out that a woody actually refers to um, a wood veneered exterior of cars that were popular in the 1950s, 1940s.
1: Yeah, Um, it's it's essentially a station wagon. Uh, And I had to look it up when I was watching the episode live. I had to look it up while watching, ignoring the episode that was going on. I had to pause it for a second because... Uh, Howard has a Woody um, was was way too lost in translation from uh, from American to the to the UK uh, vernacular, I guess.
0: But maybe, so. <laughs> well, I was wondering as well. To what extent is there a um, is it the British vernacular coming out here? Mm. Um, looking more deeply into the innuendo here, I I don't know. I mean, I love you know. Rose says we need your equipment to Sambly <laughs> after a whole discussion about. Um, Pie and Rose's Pie and all Uh this kind of thing And you're like going Okay am I just reading way too much into this Um, Or is this Like the innuendo that I think it is And um,
1: yeah It is the innuendo you think it is I'm sure I think it is but yeah
0: Let us know what you think on this, because, I mean, I saw Innuendo oh. in at
1: least four uh, rather large places. You were giggling uh, most of the way through the episode, I think. Uh, it's just, it felt like a, it felt like a proper British sitcom at times. So, uh, really good. Really, really good. No huge notes from me. I think we talked about most of them. Um, but one point I did catch this week is that we have an O'Neill on the team. Uh, I am Derek O'Neill, and we have an O'Neill that's working as a stunt coordinator for the show, uh, which I just wanted to think that's pretty cool we've got uh, got someone working a a relative boarder. possibly you never know might be my way you get in. everywhere you O'Neill's we do we do and the only other note that I have because Chris isn't here is we do get somebody else in the front reception of uh, of the SSR this week which is the uh, the one-man band that John mentioned um, so it is a running gag as well we've had it for I think uh, we've had it for three of the five episodes yeah. I've had somebody in reception auditioning uh, with Rose and this time they get Beaten around the head basically by a a kick ass rose this time. But I wanted to call call it out because it is Chris's least favourite thing and I loved it.
0: I love this. (laughs) Da ding, da dum ding. Exactly. Absolutely. Um, But Derek, uh, do you defend this episode of Agent Carter?
1: I certainly defend this episode of Agent Carter. It made me laugh throughout some of the major scenes in the episode. The memory inhibitor alone had me with tears streaming down my face, uh, Hugh Jones' reactions Uh, each time he rises up and realises that he's going to get back into the conversation with Peggy. Uh, That had me laughing the whole way through. Um, I do love the darkness of the um, relationship as it's going with Whitney Frost and with uh, Calvin Chadwick. I think that's getting really, really interesting. Um, I love the sweetness of... Uh, Daniel Souza and Violet and then Violet finally finding out that Agent Carter is the one that Daniel Souza is in love with um, I love that we have all of this crammed into one episode yeah. uh, and we've had great episodes beforehand but this probably is one of my, the strongest episodes of the season for me yep. uh, so far so I wholeheartedly defend it and I'm hoping that the that this level of uh, of ev- everything firing is going to be the way that we have the rest of the season going definitely yeah. no absolutely So, John, do you defend this episode of Agent Carter? I really do. I mean, in in
0: true innuendo fashion, (laughs) I'm going to give this 4.5 woodies out of five. (laughs) Um, I mean, for me, this episode mixed absolute great humor with some really emotional moments and real jeopardy i think it comes together for me with the jeopardy that agent carter peggy carter has by confronting frost who is way more powerful than Mm -hmm. her she's she's injured she's really put in harm's way and that is what um, makes Sousa realize how much he cares for her um, and that prompts violet to really see uh, and start to connect dots that's really emotional it's really big for those two characters because this has been simmering from season one mm. that was really good um and you at the same time you have some really good uh comedy moments with the memory inhibitor and then you have a fantastic you know knocked out of the park, um, magnificent five moment. I mean, the slow walk, whenever you do a slow walk in film, in TV, it's got to mean something. It's got to feel powerful. And this felt great, having Rose and Dr. Sambley sort of joining Sousa, Peggy, and Jarvis um, for that slow walk and and coming into the field and really playing their part. I absolutely loved it. And then on top of all of that, you have the Groundhog Day with Hugh Jones. And I loved then the development of uh, Whitney Frost and Calvin Chadwick's relationship. I mean, for me, this is Calvin Chadwick's. It's, it's the best episode I think we've seen with this character. And I mean, Corey Graham just does it really well. He's conflicted. You know, this is the person he was going to take in the senatorial race or all the way to Washington, D.C. Yeah. with, you know. Things have been turned up on uh, upside down on its head, and he's having to sort of deal with this new relationship. And, and he is in deep water that he's not happy being in. I really like this as well. So, so many different things happening in, you know, a 55-minute episode. It's absolutely top-notch. I defend this really highly and I think this is probably my favourite or joint favourite episode of Agent Carter so far really 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 enjoyed it it. will it
1: get up to 4.75
0: woodies (laughs) is
1: that possible? I don't know it can get up to 5 woodies apparently (laughs) yeah in a brothel (laughs) (laughs) There you go. With that innuendo, I think it's time to move on and speak to the listeners. Uh, If you want to give us your thoughts about any of the episodes of Agent Carter or any of the shows that we cover, just make sure you send us an email into feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com or you can follow us on Twitter at defenderscast. Or you can just search for us on Facebook. Join our group. There's lots of chats going on about all the Marvel Universe stuff in there. Just find Defenders TV podcast. Uh, You can find our page and our group. The group is where all the discussion goes on. So uh, join us in there. Our first piece of feedback comes from Chris B on Twitter. Uh, He says, In Winter Soldier, Peggy said her future husband was saved by Cap. Uh, Wasn't Jack Thompson saved by him in similar circumstances? Interesting. Yeah, the actual line from Peggy, I think, is that, uh, that during an event during World War II, uh, Cap saves about a thousand soldiers, a thousand men. Uh, one of those was was her husband. Um, we haven't actually heard that Jack himself was saved during World War II by Cap. He's never said it, as far as I remember. What we do know is that he was saved by Peggy uh, when they went for that mission uh, with the Helen and Commandos. Um, so I don't, I don't know whether we've ever heard whether Jack Thompson was saved, but we didn't. We do know he went to war. We do know he was uh, given the Purple Hearts. Uh, we do know that um, it was dubious, that that it was that, very that dubious. He
0: he kind of acted cowardly, but that's really interesting. That would be a really interesting outcome. That the person who maybe she has more of a tense relationship Absolutely. with is the person that she ultimately finds a relationship
1: with. Yeah, I think you'd have to overcome a lot for the two of them to get together and spend the rest of their lives together. To be honest, I still have this in the back of my head that Souza, given that he has the leg injury from the moments that the two of them met, I still have it in my head that he was the one that was saved by Captain America in uh, in World War Two. Uh, he's never mentioned it to Peg probably because of her relationship, which was well-known with Steve Rogers. Um, so I'm wondering if he just saved that piece of information back and hasn't told her that. It's something we may hear in the future. But the idea that Jack and Peg might get together is kind of interesting. Um, Absolutely. I know yeah. they always say, you know, that kids tend to fight uh, before they realise they like each other kind of thing. It could be the same thing with Jack and Peg. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Thanks very much for the feedback, Crispy. B. Uh, really good to hear from you.
0: No, absolutely. Thank you so much, Crispy, for for that. Uh, we have some other um, feedback from our Facebook group, uh, from Ronaldo. Um, Ronaldo says, just watched this uh, episode of, of Peggy Carter last night. It was highly enjoyable. Shocked when Peggy got impaled. Loved the new additions to the team as well. Loved the kick-ass, unassuming uh, Rose uh, and the likeable scientists. Um Absolutely. And I mean, we have some comments coming back and forth between Ronaldo and other members of the group and Derek. Claire from last week's episode, she goes, Rose was awesome. And she was. Uh, And Derek, you said, uh, Rose was fantastic. Um, I I don't know whether I should go into more (laughs) about your comments um, or not, but that would seem. Exactly. That would seem weird um, talking about your comments with you.
1: Right here. That's okay, you um, just hit the like button,
0: John. <laughs> <laughs> I will, but I mean, you know, a lot of people enjoyed seeing Rose step up to the mark, join Peggy in the field, rather than simply being behind the desk at the talent agency. And, and, and Ronaldo goes on to say, Ah yes, Rose and Sambly. Don't know why Souza said no one likes him. He's quite likeable, and I like his swooning over Rose. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. is great. Like Souza is very protective of Rose um, in, in this episode as well. So it really, for people watching this episode of Agent Carter, the, you know, this was a really good uh, moment where we get Sambly and Rose like joining the team, and it felt right. It really did feel right. So thank you so much, Ronaldo, uh, for for that comment on Facebook.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I like the kind of misfits quality of uh, of this gang of five. Yeah, definitely. Uh, really cool. Really cool. Our final piece of feedback was a piece of feedback from Wu Kim, who sent an email to us at feedback at defenderstvpodcast.com, just like you can, obviously. Wu Kim's email titled My Thoughts on the Future of Agent Carter if Cancelled. So a little bit of a speculation uh, based on our discussion last on yeah, last week's absolutely. episode. Absolutely. Um Wu says, Dear Defenders TV Podcast, my point of view is Agent Carter is in a rare spot in terms of a television series. Peggy Carter is unique in the sense that we know she lives into her 90s. So even if ABC decided not to continue with Agent Carter on broadcast TV, Marvel TV could decide to strike another deal with Netflix and move Agent Carter there. Lastly, the other nice thing is one doesn't necessarily have to pick up where the previous season left off. If Agent Carter, much like Captain Rogers, is kind of put on ice, uh, see what I did there for a couple of years, Uh, one could pick up the show in the 60s or the 70s. What do you guys think about that? I think it's a really, really
0: interesting idea from Wu. Like, because you're absolutely right. Agent Carter can kind of pop in to any point in history, from like the 1940s now and 1950s, like we're seeing here, uh, all the way through the Cold War in the 60s, the 70s the the Berlin Wall coming down and into the nineties where the West thought you know it had won the the day and of course then the obviously latterly with the rise of, of fundamentalism and so on like yeah. there's so many different political and geopolitical elements that can feed into this international spy agency with the SSR and just in terms of the development of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, and Peggy's role in that. Absolutely. So that's a really interesting idea that I think actually stands to
1: the the security, potentially, of, of the Agent Carter franchise. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Uh, really nice thought, or we, um, we'll say also, uh, Peggy looked pretty darn good in uh, the opening scene of Agent, of Ant-Man, so uh, I think she's probably been getting a workout for many years. So I think there's many many adventures to be told uh, in the Agent Carter world, and a very good possibility that you know just even the idea of shaking it up completely and having you know a break of a uh, ten year gap from from 1947 to seeing something new or a twenty year gap, something like that, that's quite interesting.
0: Exactly, and I think you know we are totally on board for a season three of Agent Carter. So you know, thank you so much. for your feedback and um, if you have any feedback on this please send it to feedback at defenders tv yeah. podcast or on facebook or on twitter and um, you are most welcome to join in in the conversation and of course we always have to let you know where you can find us if you are new to uh, the podcast please go to defenders forward slash itunes or search defenders tv podcast on any good Podcast catcher such as Podcast Addict, Beyond Pod, uh, Player FM, or indeed uh, Stitcher. Mm -hmm. I think with that, I am going to say, please, listeners, get some rest. Butler's orders. Um, It's a pleasure, as always, discussing the episodes of Agent Carter, uh, and we'll be here next week. Yeah, maybe after all this is done, we can go and get. Yeah, whatever. Shut up and open the doors. (laughs) Bye. Talk to you next week. Talk to you next week. See ya. Bye. That would be a really interesting outcome that the person who maybe she has more of a tense relationship Absolutely. with is the person that she ultimately finds a relationship with.
1: Yeah, yeah, that would be very interesting. I think you'd have to come over... Oops. I think you'd have to overcome a loss... I think you'd have to overcome a lot for the two of them to get together and spend the rest of their lives together, to be honest. This has been a Flickering Myth Podcast Network production. For more information, head over to flickeringmyth.com for more shows like it. Find this show in iTunes by searching for the podcast name and head over to youtube.com forward slash flickeringmyth to subscribe to the Flickering Myth movie show. We'll see you on the next podcast. Take care. Bye-bye.